This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast. Brian Semling is an experienced entrepreneur with over 25 years in business. He is the founder and CEO of Blitz Innovation. He has built several brands, such as Brian's Toys, a collectible toy business, to several Amazon FBA brands like Strictly Bricks and Clever Creations. His latest adventure is Rovox, a modern athleisure footwear brand which can be found at rovoxfootwear.com. On the podcast, Brian will talk with other entrepreneurs and social media influencers about their entrepreneurial journey, from what it takes to start and run a business to how they may continue to grow their brands and where they see themselves in their businesses in the future. And now, here's your host, Brian Semling. Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast. I'm Brian Semling. My guest today is Jason Portnoy, the founder of Jport Media. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. So, Jason, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, your business, and and how you got started. All right, I'll I'll make this quick as uh, to not bore your your listeners. But um, you know, went to university, tried to do the traditional route. Had two parents who tried to force me to become a professional. Uh, that was the way to you know to make money and and stability is become a professional. Uh, thought I wanted to go to law school because lawyers looked cool on TV. Until most of the lawyers I knew looked nothing like TV. Um, got accepted to law school. And then realized that I have to do four more years. So I declined it, uh, which made my parents pretty, pretty upset. Um, you know, who declines law school? And yeah, and then they said, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I don't know, I'll go get a job and figure it out. And took my first job doing recruiting, um, really got the entrepreneurial bug and realized every problem I had with school you know, went into the job I took. I had problems with authority. I didn't like to have to ask where to go, when to go. Um, I just wanted to do my own thing. So I uh, saw my boss and how they were doing things. And I saw how the employees were doing things. And I saw my paycheck. I'm like, this really isn't the right, the right avenue for me. And I left and I started a, a t-shirt company, which um, I spent a lot of money failing at in the early days and realizing that entrepreneurship is pretty hard starting a business is hard and maybe being a, uh, an employee is the right way to go, <laughs> but I'm wired very differently. And I realized I took a step back, realized I couldn't do it. And I tried one more time. Um, lucky enough, this time I was mentored by Damon John from Shark Tank and who's a good friend today, realized a lot of the mistakes I made early, fixed it all, launched a clothing brand, sold in over 250 stores across North America. And from there, I had my own problems, right? My first business, first problems, realizing that I think I could do everything myself and that I know better than everyone and I could do it faster, better uh, than anyone else I could possibly offload this to. Got burnt out. I think it's called burnt out, but I, I think it was just me not doing my job properly. And, you know, started spending a lot of my time dealing with other companies who saw how I built the brand on the back of social media, on the back of influencers, on the back of all the uh, of early days of Facebook advertising. And I would do a lot of free lunches, sitting down with them, giving them 
ideas on how they could go build their brand until I realized, Hey, I should maybe charge for this because I love it. And I took on my first client. They went from $2,500 a month in sales to 300,000 in under a year profitably. That's that amazing. That's hundred X by the way. Right. So yeah, that, that became a, that became a lighthouse. I often joke around. What if my first client was a giant failure and we lost them all their money? Where would I be? Would I still, would I still have this agency? Would I still have the passion to help people? But it worked. And then uh, it worked well for the second brand we took on as well. And my wife, um, being a very supportive person, newly married, says to me, um, you're miserable when you talk about the clothing brand. You're super happy. You talk marketing, figure this out. You know, just, just do what you need to do. Walked away from the clothing brand, started the agency. And yeah, I've been doing that for around four years now. Started the agency uh, through that, met a lot of interesting people, spoken on a lot of different stages around the world, launched a podcast called Perfectly Mentored, where I've had some of the biggest guests in the world on there from Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, Rebecca Minkoff, Randy Zuckerberg, um, a lot of the top people, Harley Finkelstein from Shopify, uh, a lot of the top guests. And I started realizing that through the agency and through speaking to a lot of these people, there's some sort of um, pattern in order to have success. And there's some levers that you can pull inside your business. So I then launched a growth consultancy program uh, where I now teach those, those key levers and those growth systems and optimizations in order to grow your business. So right now my day is the podcast, which is a fun little hobby. And then, um, and then I run an agency where we help scale businesses past seven figures. And I have the growth consultancy program called the market domination method. That's a really neat uh, background and story and kind of, you know, so thanks for, for sharing. Um, you've kind of already answered some questions that I would have asked about how you got, you know, how you decided to become an entrepreneur. And it was, you know, you weren't, uh, I don't think it's fair to say you weren't a good employee, but you didn't like being an employee. I was a bad employee too. I like, so let's be fair, right? Let's I, put I that out there as well. <laughs> um, but I was also a punk kid, um, you know, my first job. And, and I, I look back and I make a lot of comments back then being like, oh, I look at my bosses and I looked at my paycheck and, you know, there was a, there was a problem there. I was a punk kid who thought like the world owed me something. Yeah. I, you know, I got a job. Here's how you're supposed to make money and, and look at me. I'm good at what I do. Just pay me and, and I can do what I want. And, and I was spoiled and, and I was a little kid when, when I look back at it. So fortunately it did, uh, it did work out. Um, it seems like there was an interesting, um, you know, as you described the, you know, the original uh, initial failure, then success with the clothing brand. But really what you found was that you liked helping others more than, you know, actually running your own brand. And, and I think the marketing kind of stands out basically. And I, you know, being in uh, business and a number of different businesses and brands, I kind of have a, an appreciation for uh, what you described. So it, it sounds like you kind of focused in on, you know, instead of having to focus uh, or think about everything from, let's say, logistics and sourcing and, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to focus really on marketing. And, and in this case, not necessarily your own marketing, but helping others market their brands really was like a switch that went off where you went, you were already successful, but you didn't really love it necessarily, or you, or maybe you did, but you got tired out of it. Right. And you transitioned to, um, to what you're doing now, where it really, uh, when you could dial in on that part of the business that maybe you're just, you know, geared for um, the marketing and helping others. Um, so maybe just speak to that a little bit. Yeah, no, uh, look, you're a business owner. You, you, you understand this. Everyone talks about passion and, and, lo and love what you do. 
But if you're in business long enough, there are days where you really don't like what you do. And, you know, there are some days you just don't want to get out of bed and do what you need to do. Uh, So I think the idea of you have to love what you do every single day. I don't buy into that as much anymore. And I used to say, look, I fell out of love with it. And I believe in doing what you need to do. I wrote a long blog post about this when I left the business and walked away from it saying, you got to follow your heart. You got to do what you need to do. I think that was a very romantic way of putting it. When I look back now that I've had you know five years yeah. away from it, I, I could kind of reflect a little bit more and I have that maturity and you know some more business experience under me and some lessons I learned. I think it's a matter of, you know, yes, I didn't like what I, what I did, but I made a lot of mistakes in how I handled it, right? I, there are reasons why I fell out of love with what I was doing. I was also very nervous where retail was going and I was predominantly heavy on retail at the side in retail stores. And I was worried about that. And that lack of passion that I had at that moment wasn't strong enough for me to make that pivot and bring everything online myself. Yeah. Um, you know, could I have done it? Maybe. Could I have still been in business doing it? Maybe. But I think connecting the dots, looking backwards is always easier. But I think at that moment, there were just a lot of things going on, right? I was just unhappy. I was worried where retail was going, what that was going to do to my business. That stress, that anxious, that anxiety, I wasn't strong enough in securing myself to, to make that pivot and, and go all in on a different avenue. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think there's a lot of things going on there now that I look back. But at the same time, it was more of, yes, I like helping other people. I, there were certain areas of the business I didn't like and wanted out of. And there were certain moments where I just felt more passionate. And I believe as much as I just said, you can't go all in on a passion without any business sense or, or understanding how to grow a business because passion doesn't put food on your, on, on your plate. But at the same time, you know, I look back at it and say, and say, yes, there was a lack of passion. It was a lack of a lot of other different things, but I think your happiness matters. And I was way happier helping other people than I was working on that brand. And that was the motivating factor for me. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I think part of it probably where you, you saw the direction, you know, where we get passionate and we love things that are doing well and that we see a bright future in partly, as I think I kind of heard what, I mean, I think about myself and also what you described and, and, and just the amount of effort and work it was going to take to pivot, not necessarily even to grow, right. But just to survive. And so that kind of ties in with, um, the fact that you also like helping and we're obviously really good at, at branding and, uh, and yeah, and you have to be self-aware, right? Like you have to be self-aware enough to make those decisions. It was a hard decision, an unpopular decision again, starting from scratch, just got married, um, you know, closing down something that I built. Uh, a lot of people look at your businesses like a baby. I've never looked at it like that. Um, you know, my business is not my baby. I'd sell my business tomorrow. I have two beautiful kids. <laughs> Some days I consider selling them, but for most of the time, uh, there's, there's no amount of money in the world that I would sell them for. I'm not emotionally attached to my business. For me, it was an easy decision. I get why it's hard for other people. Yeah. Um, I think that's always been a strength of mine. My gut has always been really strong and has rarely misguided me. And I'm pretty self-aware. Good deal. Well, how has, you've talked a little bit about Facebook ads early on and, and how would you describe social media playing a role in, uh, in entrepreneurship for you? I mean, monumental, right? I built an agency on the back of, of Facebook ads. You know, I think if you're a business trying to scale in 2022 and beyond, and even earlier than this, I'm, but we're, we're recording this in 2022, talking about this, it's impossible. I mean, you, you have like, 
social media is where everyone congregates. It's the water cool of the world. So by you not being on there, could you grow a business without ever having a social media presence? Sure. Are you leaving a lot of money on the table by not having one? hundred percent. And where you, you already mentioned Facebook, were there any others that were key drivers or that are key drivers for, um, for growth and sales for um, either your past businesses or, or current clients? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're in e-commerce, Facebook and Instagram are huge. Um, then comes probably, you know, take away Google for a second. Um, then you probably have TikTok because we're going like direct response. Um, TikTok is probably your next best avenue. I think Google is important. I think if you're in the service business, you can't ignore Google. Uh, you can't ignore Facebook. Um, YouTube has been has been a huge factor. I think everyone wants to go channel diversification and omni-channel, uh, but very few brands could actually do it. I think if you were going to look at it and sit there and say, okay, where's my audience? What my exact, who am I going after? And go all in on that one platform, maximize as much as you can before you start diversifying your money. And typically is that Facebook slash Instagram or not necessarily? Um, not necessarily, but there's no advertising platform that's, that's better than, than Facebook and Instagram. And I, they're going through problems and we don't have to get specific into those problems. And if you're a business owner and you're advertising on these platforms, you know, there are problems, but still there's no uh, platform that's better than this right now. Right. They have a lot of, um, a lot of users, right? Like multiple billions. So there's just probably not a, it's just your, your job as a business owner is to get in front of people. So it allows numbers you to matter. Right? Yeah. So yeah. shifting gears, what are some misconceptions that, uh, that people might have about being an entrepreneur? Um, what are things that people might think that, um, that might be wrong that they don't know? Rovox, where fashion meets fitness. I don't know about you, but I don't party on a yacht every second week. Uh, I don't fly private every time I fly. Um, but in all, in all seriousness, the real misconception is that there's, it's, it's a little bit of a push-pull, and I'm going to explain this in a second. But one myth is that they believe business is hard. And another myth is that they believe business is easy. Business doesn't have to be as hard as people make it out to be. It could be easier. There are things that you could do to make things easier for you as a business. So I learned from a clothing side of things, but the people who jump into entrepreneurship um, think it's going to be easy when you have to look at the numbers, right? Only one out of 10 businesses succeed uh, unless that hit a million dollars in sales, even less than that hit $5 million in sales. And as you go up, those numbers stagger and everyone wants to make a million dollars. Everyone wants to make a hundred million dollars. They want the next Amazon. They want they want to be the next billion. Right. Very very few people on the planet do it. It's like me saying I'm going to go play in the NBA. Right? The odds are kind of. The, I mean, I think I have a better odd in business, but <laughs> like the odds of me being the best playing, you have to be realistic a little bit. So I think entrepreneurship's been romanticized. Um, I don't think people get how lonely the journey could be, and it's very isolating at times. And there's very few people, unless you're talking to other entrepreneurs who understand the things you're going through, the highs are super high. The lows are very low. That's why entrepreneurship has one of the highest suicide rates of, of any industry. Um, you know, it's just, it, the market doesn't care how you think. 
in any other business, right? You have, an, you have a boss or whatever. Here, your parents telling you, your mom telling you, it's a great idea. Go start it, honey. Or your best friend telling you, yes, that's a great idea for a business. Then you go out and everyone's telling you, but none of those people are your customers. They're not buying from you. And then no one buys from you. It's a very, very humbling experience. The rejection is high. And, and I don't think people have the stomach for it. So I think, I think there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to entrepreneurship, but I think those are the main ones. Um, I'm just wired that way, right? I, I can't be an employee. Sometimes, some days I wish I was, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs who would be better off financially, mentally, spiritually, physically, um, if they took jobs for other people versus uh, you know staying because they want to do, be their own boss. That's interesting. Yeah, that um, we think about people maybe who sometimes who could be entrepreneurs who aren't, but what you just kind of pointed out is people who are entrepreneurs who maybe shouldn't be like they're, they're excited about it or they're in love with the dream of it, but maybe it's not really what's best for them. Like you said, financially, spiritually, like not just financially either physically. So shifting gears for a minute, uh, physically, what, uh, you know, with, with the, the stress and work of uh, running a couple different businesses, um, what do you do to maintain a healthy uh, lifestyle? How do you keep things on track. Um, I don't think I'm the poster boy for it right now, but I try, you know, I I've done, I do once a year or twice a year, uh, Andy Frisella. I don't know if you know who he is, the 75 hard, which is a big challenge. It's, um, if you're an entrepreneur, you should look this up because from a physical mental, it's just a, an amazing challenge. I have a wife who takes care of me, uh, food wise, make sure I'm, I'm eating healthy and tries to push me uh, to work out as much as possible. But I'm guilty of my days being overly planned um, or sorry, like just a mess. That's why I hired an assistant in the first place. My days were just a scatter. And I was like, you're in charge of my calendar. Here's where I need you to block off um, to the point where I had to have lunch blocked off on my calendar. I was just like either grabbing something or eating at my desk, uh, but I had lunch put on the calendar. And then you slowly learn how to build a business that, that operates without you a little bit and you get some more time back. But I have like two little kids, a three-year-old and an almost 20-month-old. Uh, I think carrying them around is like, you know, most of for four hours a day, really kind of, uh, it's good weight workout. Yeah, it, it is. Um, so if you look ahead- to- I could be doing much better and, and I should do better because I'm a big believer if you feel good as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, it's crucial. I operate at my best when I felt my best. Just to try to give you a little bit of uh, encouragement, I guess, I ran uh, cross country and track in high school and I kept, I will say, in shape over the subsequent, you know, number of years, 20 plus years, but um, got back into running with my kids who are uh, roughly 10 years older than what you just, my daughter is 14 uh, and my son is 11. So about 10 years. And as they got old enough to get into uh, for my daughter in the seventh grade uh, sports, I started training with her for about the year beforehand, which was basically running several times a week and eventually every day. And so that's been... um, so that's been a lot of fun. And it must be great bonding too. It really is. So they really, um, they've become good athletes. Um, they, we spend time together. I'm now the uh, assistant coach for their cross country and track teams. Uh, and uh, it's been fantastic. And I feel it's a commitment each day. I mean, it's a literal time commitment, but it's, um, it's become a priority and I really enjoy it, you know, physically and mentally. And, and it is a good way to also, 
um, like you said, kind of bond. And uh, I think it, I think it's good for them then, right, to invest in them. So your kids are really young right now, like really a little too young probably to to be doing this, but it's something to plant a seed for maybe as you. I love that idea. And so, yeah, look, my wife tells me all the time, right? She's my driving force of, of in my head and, and she'll win the battle eventually. I, I will get back to it. Um, but yeah, I, I can make it. They're all excuse. Anything I tell you right now yeah. is an excuse. I have the time. I have the capacity to go to go do it. So, so just, anything I tell you is an excuse. So right just now. a little bit of encouragement there. And, you know, I'll, we'll let your life, your, your wife's prodding and, uh, you know, just <laughs> time yeah. will, uh, get you in that, that right place, basically. As we look forward uh, to the future, say five to 10 years out, where do you see things, uh, where do you see things going from here? Uh, I've always had trouble with those questions my whole life. Where do you see yourself in five years? What do you want in five years? I'm a person that, that marches to the beat of my own drum. Uh, that's always been, you know, since I was a young person in grade school, I've always done what I wanted to do. And, you know, and, and, and kind of didn't really care what, what other people thought about it. And so it's a tough question because I think I'll pivot however I need to be. Do I see myself running an agency in five years? Sure. If that's what, you know, I still love doing and that's what, you know, I'm still passionate about and things are going great. Sure. If another opportunity comes my way, then, then I'm open to that as well. Right. Uh, Everything I do. uh, I love the game of entrepreneurship. Yeah. I love the journey. I love the journey. So whatever comes my way, I'm, I'm always willing to listen. Doesn't mean I'll act on everything, but I'm always willing to listen. Like right now I'm, I'm getting very heavy into learning about different wealth creation and investing and even um, NFTs. And I haven't bought an NFT yet, but I'm, I'm spending a lot of time learning about all the different ways that I could protect myself. At the end of the day, everything I do is for myself and for my family in order to build um, a life that, that we want and, and continue to, to, you know, give them a life that, that they deserve and that, and that I want and that I, you know, frankly, you know, desire. So yeah. everything I do is, is, is with that in mind. So where do I see myself in five years? Um, hopefully 20 years ahead of where I want to be. Cause you know, I, I don't believe in the years. I think I buy time. I hire coaches. I hire different, you know, different things that allow me to speed up the rate of my return or the rate of my business. So Five years, hopefully, should net me 20 years. That's a good, uh, that's neat. That's a good goal. Um, are there any questions that I haven't asked today that, uh, that you wish I would have asked? Um, no, I think, you know, just if, if you're a business owner listening to this, um, know your numbers. That's the most important thing in, in your business. Know your numbers and know your growth levers and how you could pull them. And, and you don't have to go all in on certain things. Um, learn the power of compounding. I think that's one lesson I learned in investing right now and, and all my learnings from investing that I brought into business that uh, little incremental improvements that think have huge compounding effects to your business. Yeah, I know I've seen something like if we can improve 1% a day, I mean, imagine where that leaves you in you know, a year basically, right? But you don't have to- Well, I talk about this. You have five key areas of your business, right? Like growth, I call them growth levers. Um, that's awareness, lead generation, conversion, your pricing, and your buying frequency. If you doubled every single one of those things, you 32X your business. Yeah. And if you get 10% better, you double your business. So, I mean, everyone can get 10% better in, in, in certain areas of their business. Right. And double is a pretty 
is big growth for almost all businesses basically. So yeah. And that's what like people think you have to like really go nuts. No, you just have to make small little tweaks across those five levers and they compound year over year over year. You just get incrementally better, incrementally better, incrementally better. And that's how billion dollar businesses are built. That's really uh, helpful. Uh, a good way to think about it. I think that's helpful for uh, business owners to just to not be overwhelmed by gosh, how do I get from here to a million here to 10 million here to a billion, right? Like it's think about the 10% across the, you know, the five levers and, um, and that gets you to double and et cetera. Um, tell us how, um, how our audience can find more about your, um, your agency and or your uh, coaching program. Yeah. So everything's on my website, jportnoy.com. And uh, you can find me on social media at Jason Portnoy, almost every single channel message me. I'm super accessible. I love talking to people. I love helping people. So just feel free to just slide right into my DMs, as they say, and ask me any question you have. Tell me you heard me on the podcast. If you hated the podcast or you hated what I had to say, tell me. I love hearing that too. But if you like what I have to say and you have any questions, please, it'll be a pleasure to chat with you. Cool. Well, Jason, it's been so nice to have you on the podcast uh, today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. And, uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're, sounds like you're a great entrepreneur and a great dad. It's something that, that I'm, I'm looking to keep being. Well, thanks. It's been a lot of fun today. I'm Brian Semlin, and this is the Fit for Success podcast.